0: Hello, and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm Ron Lundin, and with me today is John Godek, the usual host. Welcome to your own podcast.
1: Hey, welcome back. It's great to see you again, Ron. It's (laughs) been a long time since we've done a show.
0: It has. It has. And this is a great opportunity to do so. I think that there's been a number of people who are really big into into games generally into freelancing that you bring on this show and so it's a delight to bring you on for this <laughs> the, it is the 100th interview yeah. is that correct
1: it this is the 100th I was uh <laughs> people asked me saying oh you should be interviewed sometimes So you know I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait I'm gonna make it the 100th if I you know, so that was kind of the
0: goal yeah you know. all right well this is this is the time I I wonder to you I know that John Godek uh, is an avid tabletop RPG player Game Master, Freelancer, and, as we just discussed, Podcaster. Uh, two years ago, he was the sixth Game Master, awarded five Nova sta- the 5 Nova status for Starfinder Organized Play. He's participated in over 300 tables of Paizo Organized Play. As a freelance writer and game designer, John has over a dozen credits for Starfinder and Pathfinder 2nd Edition, including work in the very recently announced Starfinder Enhanced, And the Lost Omens Tiansha character and world guides. Uh, They've announced those three big things. John, you're in all three. Uh, John is executive producer for three podcasts on the No Direction Network, including presenting right here. Uh, He's recorded and published nearly 300 episodes and counting among them. When he's not busy playing, writing, or podcasting, John is a university professor in the Seattle area teaching entrepreneurship and marketing. Um, You can reach John. At uh, john at intrepidheroes.net, listen to his podcasts right here at nodirectionpodcast.com or watch his videos at gamingdivination.com. So that's a little bit about who you are and the gaming that you've done, but uh, give us a little more background. What, what, what did you do before all this?
1: Before I started gaming?
0: Uh, well, before you started becoming all, time. The, all the famous <laughs> things, you can work gaming into it. But until you start, let's oh. say up to your up to when your freelance career started.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. So this goes back a long ways. And, you know, it's funny. I ask people this question and they say, oh, how far back do you want me to go? And uh, so I'll just kind of talk with my my working career. So I, uh, I went to the U.S. Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut, um, become a Coast Guard officer. I did that for uh, just about 10, 11 years. Um, I went there primarily because I couldn't afford to pay for college. My family couldn't afford to pay. And it's one of the places that paid for the whole thing. And I thought it was nice that they had a humanitarian life-saving mission. So that's kind of the primary reason I went. But it turns out they also do icebreaking and law enforcement, which is what I mostly did uh, while I was in the Coast Guard. Um, While I was in the Coast Guard, I was asked to teach at the Coast Guard Academy And there I taught marketing. Uh, They needed somebody to teach marketing. I had a background in marketing. I also taught uh, leadership and a couple other classes there. I liked it so much that I started taking classes at the University of Connecticut for a PhD. And uh, from there, I decided, well, I'm going to do this PhD thing full-time. So then I went to University of Michigan to get my PhD. Uh, I got a master's uh, in psychology en route. Earlier, I had earned a master's that allowed me to teach at the academy. Um, served on, uh, I'd served on a couple of ships in, in the interim uh, while I was in the Coast Guard. Anyway, so I got my PhD in Michigan, uh, went to Oregon to teach, taught at University of Oregon for six years. Then I came up to uh, Washington, which is where we call home near the Seattle area. I taught at the uh, University of Washington, Bothell campus for six years. And now I'm at uh, Seattle Pacific University as a tenured professor. Excellent.
0: Excellent. That was, you uh, you seem to skip, oh, I was on a couple of ships in the Coast Guard, but the thing that impresses me is how all over the world you've been with the Coast Guard. So.
1: You know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people, uh, my dad was in the Navy and the Coast Guard gets made fun of a lot by the Navy. And one of the things that, is unusual about what I I did is I served on polar class icebreakers. And so we went down to Antarctica, we went up to the Arctic. Um, you know, I, I, I like to tell people, you know, I went on a, on a 23,000 mile uh, trip at 12 miles an hour. <laughs> so they don't, they don't go very fast. Um, but I was fortunate enough to uh, be I'm one of the few people that have circumnavigated North America, um uh, basically, Go up uh, north of Alaska, Point Barrow. We went through the Northwest Passage, came down the east coast of Canada, down and around through the Panama Canal, and back up to Seattle.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, I, um, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know anybody that, that has sailed nearly as much. I know a couple of people who've been to Antarctica, and there are some yeah. people who've been up in the Arctic Circle, but not. You're the only person I know that's done both. <laughs> and yes. yes. Anyway. I think that's, uh, I think that's fascinating. The, uh, um, it's a lot of fun. So now, now you're here, now you're here in the Seattle area. Um, yeah. and, uh, you've done some gaming, started into freelancing. Let's say now, it, as you've said plenty of times on your interviews like this, everybody's freelancing journey is different. Yes. How, what What's yours? What was your freelancing journey?
1: Well, I got started in kind of a weird way. Um, and I'm going to, there, there's two sides of this. I'm going to go with one side. Uh, the short <laughs> side, I'll say, is I'm a friend of Ron Lundeen, and I think that helped. So I'll just say that. Uh, but the other side of it is is this, and it actually ties to my podcasting interviews. So uh, several years back, I was at GameStorm. It's a convention in Portland, and I was fortunate enough to play at an uh, author table run by John Compton. Uh, we're doing live exploration extreme. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And one of the things John Compton does at his tables is he asks everybody around to tell them a little bit about themselves. And me being really into gaming, I kind of talked about all my gaming stuff. When I interviewed John Compton later at the Paizo HQ, uh, HQ headquarters, one of the things he said is, Oh, you know, i always look for freelancers. And so when I GM tables, I asked people, What are, stuff about themselves so I can learn something interesting that might lead to uh, an opportunity. And after I heard that, I'm like, oh, man, I blew it. You know, I have all this interesting (laughs) stuff I've done. I didn't tell him any of that stuff. So at Pisacon (laughs) that year, I went and talked to John. I ran into him at the bookstore. And I said, John, you know, after our interview, I realized that when I would play that game with you and you'd ask this question, I kind of answered it the wrong way. I actually have lots of cool background that I think would be relevant for, for freelancing. Can I tell you? And so we're in the store. And of course, everybody's in there wanting to talk to John. Right. And he said, sure. Yeah, go ahead and let me. And so I'm talking to him and several people try to get in, you know, to talk with John. He said, no, 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 I'm talking, talking to to this John, to me. So I I thought, I felt like, wow, he's paying a lot of attention. to me. So I told him my whole background and and story and everything like that. And sure enough, um shortly after that, I got asked to freelance on the Starship Operations Manual, uh, by John. And um, that was kind of the first thing that I had done for Pizo. And in in the process of that, you know, I'd asked for some advice from some people I know that were, you know, developers and at Paizo and how I should do things and and what I should focus on. And so I turned in, you know, stuff at WordCount. Um, Delivered on time, made all the milestones and everything. And for me, because I turned my stuff in a little bit early, they had somebody drop out. Uh, it was another developer that had to work on a different project I found out later. Um, and, and so John asked me short notice, said, hey, I, I know this is short. Can you can you deliver it? Can you write this for me? It was a two-week turnaround. So he had, had some additional um, stuff he wanted me to, to do. And I said, sure, I can do that. Turned it around, did that. Boom. So I, I think I got in his good graces because he's, he and Joe Piscini who were both um, uh, developing, uh, I I don't know which side who was doing what (laughs) on that uh, of starship operations manual. Later on, they asked me to work on uh, other books. Um, I think the next one was galactic magic. Same thing happened. So I, I was working on a whole bunch of spells and uh, artifacts and some class stuff. I got all my stuff in, turned it in early, and then they had uh somebody else that had to drop out and I got a whole no a new s- slew of spells to do afterwards. Again, a short notice uh to turn it in. And so I feel like that part of uh how I do things got me additional work early on, and subsequently, um that has led to other other projects. So that's kind of how yeah, I, I, I got started.
0: We certainly wouldn't be You certainly wouldn't be where you were having done so much work without quality. Uh, But quality, I think that a lot of people realize sometimes just isn't enough. It's reliability. Uh, You know, a lot of this game development is a business and you know business very well. So you understand, I think, you know, more than many people about what's going to be keep the, the business side of it flowing. And you know that being very timely, available to pick up other work is exactly the kind of things that really you know to get your name uh, remembered and mm-hmm. uh, referenced uh, by developers that's that's how you get more work now you've done a little bit of work on Pathfinder second edition in addition to Starfinder and i know very recently you've done a <laughs> yes. uh, a, a lot of work on the Pathfinder second edition um I do remember when I was developing, giving you a couple of, uh, back matter monsters to write for yes. one of the APs. Um, yeah. and I will say, I didn't, I didn't do so without first checking with the Starfinder folks, you know, Hey, you know what? Kind, Cause I wanted to get, I mean, I know you personally, but I wanted to get their sort of professional opinion. You know, right, what do right, I need yeah. to know about his stuff, about his turnover, about his quote, how does he communicate with you guys and so on? Um, and heard a lot of good things, a lot of good recommendations. So, um, that has worked out uh, that that has worked out very well uh, how do you I mean, writing for both has got to be something of a little bit of an intellectual challenge because whereas a lot of people who've written for both Starfinder and Pathfinder first Edition see some similarities there, Starfinder and Pathfinder Second Edition are really built very differently. How do you keep those How do you work on keeping those apart?
1: Well. You know, I started with Starfinder and that's been a heavy emphasis of my gaming and uh, and, and subsequent, actually, my writing as well. And I st- intentionally said, you know what, I'm going to pause some of my organized play in Starfinder and do more Pathfinder. So one of the things is I started immersing myself in the system, happened to play in uh, a home ap game run by again some developer guy uh you know um which has been very enjoyable so (laughs) abomination vaults and uh you know so that helped me a lot with with learning the rules and seeing the differences and quite frankly they're a lot different systems and so i think you know whereas i played some first edition as well and that to me was you know really easy to pick it up after playing Um, Starfinder's is pretty easy to pick up after that because second edition is so different in terms of how you build characters, um, kind of how the different feats come in and the nature of the feats. Uh, a lot of those things I had to um, just basically learn that part of the system. Now, for what I worked on uh, for the lost diamonds, uh books, a lot of that was lore. Um, so that helped quite a bit that, I, there wasn't a lot of heavy mechanics because obviously those are more lower books. Um, but I did work on some things that I had to um dig into the system a bit more. So I can't really say more than that. Um but yeah, it's pretty much just it's the same thing I do with Starfinder, actually. I just research stuff. I look up anything I'm writing, even if I think I know it, I, I have to go look up the relevant rules. Um like making the monsters, you know, how conditions work in 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 Pathfinder versus Starfinder and the different levels and things. And, you know, and and the developers are great by giving you, uh, there's a lot of tools they give you for, to use as well. So.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Now you are uh, especially active in organized play. You had been like, like you said, one of the the very early, one of the first five Nova uh, GMs for Starfinder which means a lot of dedication, not just to running, but running at conventions and doing so. The uh, How do you think your organized play experience, tell me a little bit about that and how that feeds into the work that you've done as a freelancer? How does organized play feed into writing for you?
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, I was early on one of the first uh, five novas and because of the way it worked before, this is pre-pandemic. You had to travel to conventions, and this is before they amended the rules where uh, you could use certain. There's certain scenarios designated as Nova now that counts towards your the the your, your specials. So you have to do ten specials um, in addition to 150 tables, and and then you get evaluated by by three GMs, senior GMs, uh, VCs, and stuff. Uh, one of the things I had to do is um, I actually had to travel to convention, conventions and play live specials that were only offered at various conventions. And so I, one year I, I went to eight conventions just to knock out a whole bunch of these the specials. Um, but the neat thing about it is I got to talk with a lot of people. So I got to meet a lot of people from kind of all over and get their perspective on, you know, what they liked about things, how they played the game, how they interpreted rules and things like that. And so in my own writing, one of the things that I always try to do is make something super cool that I want to play and that my friends I know will want to play. Uh, and so I think that's probably one of the most informative things. Um, you know, when I was doing uh, Galactic Magic, I had the opportunity to write some artifacts. And uh, you and I have a friend, Mark Wolcott, who uh, in our um, actual play, Intrepid Heroes, was playing of Vesk. And so I was thinking about Mark. And so I created the ultimate Vesque weapon as an artifact and uh, thinking of him. And, and actually, when I got my contributor copy of those, I got two of them. I actually signed one to him and to that page saying, Mark, I created this weapon for Julekosti and you <laughs> uh, and gave him the book. Um, so, yeah, definitely the people that you interact with when you're playing with the, the things that they like to do just kind of gives you insights in, into what's cool. And uh, I guess the other thing is I've also seen I know some people that have really pushed the limits on what uh, characters can do. And so um, I always try to make things so they'll be much more challenging uh, than I think they have been in the past in the variety of things. I really can't go into uh, all the details there, though.
0: Okay. Okay, well, that's uh, that's that's a. uh... A good combination there. I think that there is, um, in my experience, the people that are really deeply focused and organized play and only organized play, they, they tend to write a specific way because that's what they know. Mm. And people who do that, as well as some of the home games, some of the more freeform style of gaming and writing, if they don't do any organized play, then they might tend to be uh, sometimes a little less rigid in how they're using Mm. structures that we'd like them to do so you're somebody Mm. who sort of straddles both of those with a lot of your experience in gaming um but it's not just gaming you do it's also a lot of the podcasting can you talk a little bit about some (laughs) of the podcasting you do yeah and you might mention how awesome intrepid heroes is (laughs) but you don't have to i just want to get a give everybody kind of a good sense of the podcasting that you do
1: yeah so you know, when Starfinder first came out, I, I was actually playing in a group and we had just gone through the Pathfinder beginner box. And uh, Scott Kine was the GM uh, for us and had a couple other friends that were playing in that. And we decided that this new thing was coming out of Gen Con, Starfinder. I had no idea how big it was going to be. It turns out it sold out at Gen Con. And fortunately for me, I had ordered a book. And so by the time uh, Scott came back from Gen Con. I had my hard copy because my birthday is in, in August. So okay. that that worked out really well. And so we said, hey, we're going to start start a campaign, started learning the rules, and started playing Dead Sons. And uh, probably we're in book one, a couple weeks in of playing that. Uh, we were short players. And, you know, I put a poster up at a uh, local game store, uh, Zulu's, saying, hey, we're looking for Starfinder players for a, for a home game. And uh, we're in the middle of a game, and I get a call from somebody, uh, and I don't recognize um, his area code.
0: It's and, me. Uh, He's yes, talking yes. about me. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and so there's Ron Lundin, who at the time was living like a block from Zulu's. Right. And he said, hey, I saw your thing there. I, 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 I'm interested in learning about your game. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really great. We got this guy you know, working for Paizo was actually running the game for us and everything. (laughs) Not knowing that, uh, that Ron was going to go work for Paizo. And I remember saying, Hey, we're actually playing now. You're close. If you want to come now, I said, no, no, I'll get you next time. Um, But we played through the entirety of dead sons with this group and we had a lot of fun. And at the end of it, you know, I said, Hey, you guys, we're going to, we're going to play something else. We ended up playing Donna flame. I said, do you wanna you wanna podcast that? You wanna record that? And everybody was was pretty keen on that. So we said, sure, we'll do that. And uh, but we had to change things up a little bit. We were still in person, so I had to get equipment to set up at Ron's house on his table right. so we could record. Uh, because we ended up because of your children being younger and stuff, we ended up having to play at your house incarnation, but then we got to also add uh, your wife Stephanie to the mix which was delightful.
0: This was, this was was part of it that was really fun for me because when we were finishing up with dead sons, which step, which my wife, Stephanie did not play and everyone was talking about, Oh, what do we do next? I'm kind of looking back at the long game that we just completed the long campaign we just completed. And I'm, and I said, I have to, I have to admit to you guys, I, I love gaming. I love you guys, but I, I don't like being away from my wife this much. She is also a gamer. I prefer games that have her in it. And so everybody kind of you know around the table kind of look at each other like all right well let's have her play we'd like playing with you enough that we'll do the complicated logistics of going all the way out to your house um which is which is much more remote than anybody else was <laughs> yes. um the dead sons game was definitely a much uh more centralized location um yes. but everybody's willing to come out and uh and so stephanie joined too so yeah anyway, and that's that's brought you here and then that was uh donna flame we started
1: Right, so that's where we started our our actual play with the Intrepid Heroes. Uh, I actually had to put together a portable kit for um for for the recording stuff on top of a kit because I was GMing the first three books. Uh, then uh, the we got the author of the fourth book, uh, Ron Dean to GM that. I had tried to get the author of the fifth book, Joe Piscini, um but he didn't, he didn't buy it, but. When I was asking when Ron agreed, um, Jason Tondro had overheard said, Oh yeah, I'll run book six for you. And here it is, like two years later when we call him back, and sure enough, we we got him we got him to to come and and do that. Um but yeah, so that's how I got started um just doing a podcast. I was posting them up on my own and uh in in addition to the podcast, I decided, you know, I want to add something to get more listenership. So I started recording interviews. And I started these at SkullCon Um, uh, again. uh, It was the last SkullCon before the pandemic. So um, 2019, I think. And I had uh, Thirsty was one of my first interviews for that. And then Hillary Moon Murphy as well. Uh, And I thought, wow, this is really cool. So again, I brought a portal recorder and a kit and started recording at uh, some conventions. Uh, Came back. This is a lot of fun. So I went to your office to interview you for that. And when I did that, everybody said, Hey, that's pretty cool. Can I do it? So I scheduled between like November and December of, of that year, uh, whatever year that was, I think, I think it was 2019 still. Yeah. 2019 Pre-pandemic. I, think, yeah. <laughs> I scheduled like a dozen interviews in the office and I would just kind of show up and I'd interview, you know, a person this day scheduled for, no- and so I just kind of, fed itself. So like with the first 20 or so, 30 interviews, it was all kind of set up. Just I'd finish somebody up and then I'd say, who who am I going to talk to now? And I go ask them. <laughs> I go ask look, them.
0: Look around and, the editorial pit and go, which yeah. faces do I not recognize? Let me ask yeah. them. Yeah.
1: You know, and so that was and I, I focused initially on primarily Starfinder folks, because again I was mostly Starfinder person. But subsequently I, I've kind of branched out. And kind of the neat thing about this is I'd interview somebody Um, Like I interviewed somebody in Texas and he knew Steve Jackson and I'm like, oh man, I, I, you know, growing up, I loved car wars and I loved um, GURPS. Those are like two of the games I really enjoyed. And I said, oh man, could you connect me with him? And and sure enough, he said, sure. And so I got to interview Steve Jackson. And so after I did that, I said, wow, I got this in, in my back pocket and then I thought, you know, I, I like to interview Jeff Grubb. I kind of met him before, and he's a big d d guy. And so I kind of mentioned that. And so from there, he recommended, oh, do you know this Wolfgang Bauer guy? I said, no. Should I interview him? Sure. And, you know, and so I got a lot of this. I got own Casey Stevens. Once I interviewed him, he suggested other people. And it just kind of built to the point where you know i i used to have like a big backlog of i i just interview a bunch of people and then you know 6 months later maybe they they'd be published and now it's like i usually like like for this interview this one's not going to come out for another week and it's usually like the week before i'm i'm scheduled to publish the interview i'll ask a couple of people and i'll get somebody maybe two people to interview in a week and boom i'm all set but that's how i kind of kind of got started with those and then the last one so I was doing Intrepid Heroes. I was doing uh I was called Intrepid Heroes Presents, is what I called it initially, the interviews. And the marketing of it, trying to get listeners, was really a challenge for me. It was a lot of work in addition to doing everything else. So I reached out to uh Parham actually at No Direction and said, Hey, I'm interested in in seeing if somehow we can have a partnership. And so he he talked to me and then he connected me with Ryan and they brought us aboard in uh, March of 2020, right as the pandemic was getting started, and um, but we were able to, you know, kind of start partnering with them, get a regular schedule, and I suggested, you know, I'd like to do a, a show uh, with Ron because Ron and I just love talking and doing stuff. Can we do a, a show about Starfinder related stuff? Not like they had a no direction beyond where they did releases and. And, you know, really talked high level stuff. I said, oh, we just, just kind of want to talk. And, and I, I said, I want to model this under like click and clack of uh, car talk and which probably most people don't know who they are, but I, I didn't
0: know when you suggested yeah. it, you're like, oh, it's yeah. like car talk. I'm like, I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah.
1: Just two guys <laughs> on the radio and now on a the podcast, they just talk about loosely cars and about each other. And so that's what we did is we talked loosely about the game and kind of what was going on. Uh, and we did that for some fifty-eight episodes, you and I,
0: yeah. um, oh, before yeah. you left. You left. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, my uh, my participation in interviews like this, uh, I ratcheted that way down. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I uh, changed to Wizard of the Coast, I mean, you'll occasionally see me like now, right? You're seeing me. Yes. Uh, well, thanks for
1: coming out of uh, your shell here for this. I I do appreciate <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, well, the and I think the timing probably worked well you can you can tell me but actually kicking up all of this podcasting and all of this work right at the beginning of the pandemic where people are really struggling to be together right. in person but people who love games still want to hear about games they still want to join mm-hmm. games they still want to know about games that are coming out you can't go talk to people at your local gaming store a lot of people turning to podcasts right. i feel like right. it probably was just about the 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 ideal timing to start building not just one, but three different sort of yes. uh, podcast structures to have people connect with the game in different ways.
1: And the time was actually good for me because during the pandemic, we were all teaching remote. So mm-hmm. I was like at home. I didn't have to commute to work. I worked out of Camino Island a lot. Um, so a, a, a weekend place that we have. And I actually had a lot of time, so it's, it was easier for me to do that. Now I'm like really busy, and so it's like, oh, it's it's harder to 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 get things up. But I'm much better at, at editing and uh, and things like that. That took me a while to to, to develop those skills.
0: Well, you, with a lot of that, are you I uh, sort of self taught with experimenting? Where do you go to learn to be better at sort of the podcasting and and putting these things together and making it as efficient as you can do so now?
1: Well, part of it is just looking at you know YouTube videos, looking at what other people do, checking out blogs. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time early on figuring out what equipment I wanted to use and then what software I wanted to use. And uh, for all my editing, for my uh, audio editing, which is the primary stuff I do, I use a, 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 a digital audio workstation. It's a, called a DAW, called Reaper. And it's a kind of a semi-pro uh, program. A lot of people use Audacity because it's free. Reaper, you pay a small fee if you're a small business uh, one time for the license. But it's very powerful and very intuitive. And I don't know that I could go to anything else now because I'm so used to using that. Uh, so all self-taught. And I try to use a lot of the, the big Adobe products and they're I use them somewhat for video editing, but it's, it's harder to to pick up, but yeah, I just figured out as I've always been into photography. And so like, even now my, my main camera here is actually a Nikon Z six. It's a, it's a mirrorless uh, DSLR and it just happens to be great for shooting 4k video. And so I just have it set up for that. Um, But you know, I got figured out equipment. I I have so many extra mics now having tested (laughs) and done a lot of stuff. Um, plus our podcast, our in-person podcast, I bought mics for everybody and, you know, so, um,
0: and different different kinds I remember because some of us, my, myself included can't have a standing mic because when I'm gaming, I'm really animated and moving to the left and the right. And the sound was making you very frustrated. So I got a headset, a couple of us needed headsets because we tended to, uh, be more animated. But then you have to be careful about sort of quick movement or brushing it. And anyway, it's, yeah, a, we yeah, did, yeah. we did, I remember we did a lot of learning and it felt like you were really guiding us through uh, the different I felt options. You
1: guys were so mad at me because I do, you know, during the sound check, all this stuff. Now that we do every, we're playing online and recording online, it's actually a lot more straightforward. You notice the the sound check part is very short, uh, especially since we figured out Mark's connectivity issue, uh, one of our players. Right. Uh, we were having a lot of issues because his his network would drop off all the time, so he actually has a computer on my loft over there he uses when we, we record our actual play
0: physically which, comes over and yeah
1: which the, makes uh, it works out well
0: well i haven't I haven't made either of you mad enough during the game Ah, oh, darn it ron to hear you on the other person's mic but maybe have, that'll it, be my goal he's
1: pretty loud so i actually have to shut my door to my office <laughs> uh, because there's just a hair delay and so i'll hear him say something then i'll hear it through my headphones and that's a little disconcerting
0: you know <laughs> because you hear him coming over yeah. well the uh so like a, a lot of so moving from the podcast to the gaming, a lot of different games that you do—fantasy, science fiction. What are the what are the genres of games that really appeal to you personally, and why?
1: I've always really liked science fiction, fantasy games, um, and then also post-apocalyptic kind of settings and things. And I, I don't know. I, I guess as a kid growing up, my my dad was in the service, and we were around a lot of bases and things, and I always thought about, um, kind of survival settings. You know, I was never a prepper or anything like that, but I always thought it'd be kind of cool. You know, I used to build lots of forts and all the time. And we said, okay, what would happen if we had to isolate up here? So, you know, very imaginative, um, uh, thinking about, you know, how we physically did stuff as kids. And then as I got older in games, you know, we would build, you know, our role-playing forts and things. And I remember, um, we played, uh, uh Gamma world when I was a kid, so it's a post apocalyptic setting by uh, t s r and we had been reading we all the all the homebrews we did were based on books we we were reading and my my uh, group would all read a book together and not a book club, but everybody would pass it on the book and one of the, the books we were reading was called Bolo, which was about these big super tanks, and so we made a gamma world setting where we came across a bunch of these old super tanks all kind of in different states of disrepair. And we said, okay, we're going to scavenge them up and, you know, build up a, you know, a fortress that had these things. And um, so I, I just kind of always kind of like maybe the scavenging, the rebuilding kind of parts of things. Um, you know, I played D and D cause that's kind of what was out there, but fantasy wasn't, wasn't my first love for things. Um, that's one of the things I really liked about GURPS. Uh, And I really enjoy uh, superhero things too. Um, So GURP supers, champions. um, I have a bunch of mutants and mastermind books, but I haven't been able to play with anybody uh, because I've been a big comic fan since the seventies. So, (laughs) you know, I, um, I, I kind of enjoy, enjoy that quite a bit. And I do uh, I do fantasy because that's what a lot of people do. It's not, It's not a super exciting thing for me, but it's fun enough, you know? Um, But yeah, I like, I like science fiction. Uh, I like uh, science fantasy and superhero stuff. Those are the
0: things I really enjoy the most. Well, let me, uh, let me, let me make you decide here. Okay. Let me ask you this question. So folks at Paizo come to you. They describe a project they want you to do a lot of writing for that that they want you to be very as a freelancer, they want you to be very closely and majorly involved with what generally is the project they have pitched that it would make you the most excited. Oh,
1: well, you know, this, I really want to write an adventure path book. Okay. That's, that's my goal. And in particular now, if you're saying even more that I want to do a, a, a post apocalyptic setting Adventure Path for Starfinder. Okay. Th- that's really what I want to do. Um, I've played through or GM'd uh, over half. Now, there's so many, so many new books coming out, over half the APs out there. And I like a lot of them, but none of them really fit closely that setting that I really would love to play. And so, and, and I've asked this, I used to, and all the um, Ask Me anything that people would do you know, the panels and stuff, John Compton and Joe Piscini, before they had left the, the star chamber I, and, and Jason Todd, I always ask, are, are you going to do a post apocalyptic setting in there? You know, I did that like four or five times to the point that they kept saying, Oh, that's not on the radar that I'm thinking maybe it is. And they
0: just can't say it now. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Well, now, now you're on in the inside. Now you know projects that have not yet been announced. I'm sure you know projects that I don't know about. I'm sure Ooh, that yeah. uh, that all right. Well, you know, now you're the one who can't say. So, but uh, yeah, but that said, with the uh, with the work that you're doing, and I think that all of us understand, you can't speak with any specificity about anything that hasn't been publicly announced yet. What's uh, what's next for John Godek? What are, what are you working on? What are you doing? What do you like?
1: Well, I just I just turned over an unannounced thing, so, so I can't say what that is. Um, a I don't big any... or
0: small thing at least. If you can't say, can you say big or small?
1: In between. Okay. It's in between. Uh, so it's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing I've worked on is Starfinder Enhanced. Quite frankly, that's the oh, right. okay. in terms of word count. So I, I I I got to write on a lot of sections for a lot of stuff in there, cover a lot of ground. So I'm really excited to see that one that one come out. Um I'm actually uh I'm getting to the point where I, I'll probably start fishing for some more freelance work. I haven't been I I've been kind of busy with work work stuff. Um I had been thinking about putting together some uh Starfinder Infinite uh products. So that's that's one of the things that I looked at and then uh but some of the announcements that they publicly have, have said about uh, uh Starfinder Enhanced, well that kind of squashed some of them. So <laughs> no, right. Sorry. Okay. Well maybe I'll I'll do do something else. Um but yeah I I honestly I don't have uh, any big projects on that. Um I will say in terms of freelancing I will say though that our recording for Intrepid Heroes, we only have a couple more episodes left to record, as you may recall. Oh, yeah. and uh, trying to decide what we would do next after that um, are we gonna do another AP and go through the whole route are we gonna do something shorter? are we gonna do it for fun are we gonna um, do a podcast at it or are we gonna try branching into video and that's that's something I would really like to explore it's again it's another layer of complication for all of us but we've really adapted well to doing the online um, playing with the with the audio podcasting part, I think adding cameras to that um, would not be too much of a stretch. Just how that would end up working. I, I mean, ideally, we'd be all in the same room. I'd have a studio built, have all the cameras set there, and we'd just come and play and be recorded. Because of lots of different situations with people's health and kids and work, probably it would still be remote. Uh, the way we're doing it now, but that's something that's probably the closest thing to what I'm thinking uh, new about. Um, I was asked to work on something. If I'd be interested in working on something uh, for no direction and um, may or may not, it just depends. I, I have a lot to do already with the podcast I have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's all I have in the works right now. Okay. That I can talk about.
0: Well, that's still, I mean, that's, a lot, right? You're like, well, you know, some of the writing, more of the podcasting, more of the gaming. It's uh it's been a lot of uh a, a lot more of the same that you're doing now. Certainly, there isn't uh one of the advantages of doing this sort of work in, you know, a hobby that we all really love is that you're you're in it and doing it because you really like it. Yeah. Uh all of it is stuff that you really like. Um, what do you think has been sort of the very best part of the freelancing podcasting all that that you've been doing
1: oh it's the community um just getting to i now i've interviewed now almost a hundred people given the this is the hundredth interview here right and uh going to conventions initially meeting people but now is a freelancer there's a really strong freelance community um where we you know talk together online and and sometimes do see each other in person. Uh, but that's the best part is the people. I mean, the reason why I started playing role-playing games, again, I had taken a hiatus for a while and uh, played video games for a long time, uh, is I wanted to see and interact with people in a social environment. And and so that's what I enjoy. That's what organized play is is really great about. That's what conventions are great about. Um, getting to know so many people that are in the industry working for various companies now. Used to be I only knew people that worked at Paizo. Now they work all over as they continue <laughs> to spread out. So
0: well, not just because the people that you knew at Pizo have moved. In addition to that, yeah. you've got you described the network of people yeah. where you're knowing being introduced to people all over the uh the yeah. the gaming industry and the gaming space and, and all over the
1: world things. you know I've interviewed yeah. people in Taiwan and Singapore and a couple in the UK and um nobody in Australia yet I I you
0: know, I mean yeah but, that's going out know, well I
1: have somebody yeah. on, on the list <laughs> uh, if I can convince them to to do it they, they don't think they don't think they warrant an interview and one of the things I have to tell people is You know, there's no there's no level that you have to be at where where people don't want to hear about you and that you aren't going to be interesting. There's everybody is is interesting in some way. And my job, one of the things I like to do is to be able to pull that out. What is the cool thing about this person that other people might not know and will say, wow, this is neat. I really want to meet them
0: righty. Well, I, uh, I hope I have, uh, filled in your shoes as well. And, and, uh, given everybody, you know, co- cool things about John Godek to know is the interview subject, uh, this time around. Uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast today, John, anything else you'd like to say as a uh, last words.
1: Well, uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming in and doing this. I actually asked Ron here probably six months ago, if he could do this, and uh, because he, he had to step back from some, from digital divination. And so um, he said, you know what? I think I can do that. And so I really, I really do appreciate this quite a bit. All right. well, I'm all right. John.
0: And I'm Ron. <laughs> and this is presenting. I couldn't get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like old times. It all comes back yeah. to me. All right. all right. Have a good <laughs> Thanks, night. John. All right. All right bye.